What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Dear Media IRL is back, and we're showing up bigger, better, and louder than ever. Join us on May 4th in Austin, Texas, for the ultimate live podcasting experience. Watch and learn from your favorite Dear Media hosts as they bring their insightful discussions from your headphones to the stage. Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and watch audio get a makeover. Tickets are on sale now at dearmedia.com slash IRL. See you on May 4th in Austin, Texas. Hey guys, it's Sammy. And Sammy, and welcome to Transform, your safe space to form the best version of you. There are going to be a lot of laughs, (laughs) and oh boy, a lot of tears. But we are so grateful to be alongside you in your journey to transform. Ooh, here we go. Let's do it. We could not be more excited for today's guest. I feel like this is a guest that everyone has been asking to have on. I've been asking to have on because it is the topic around nutrition. Nutrition is a ball game that I feel like we're all trying to figure out. And so Sammy and I really wanted to find the best person to come on here and just give us the facts, give us the knowledge we need to know to have this beautiful relationship with food. So we have the most amazing Shira Barlow. She is a registered dietitian, an author, and a nutrition expert in our private practice. In her private practice, Shira helps clients uncomplicate their relationship with food while getting the results they desire. You guys are going to really love this episode. We tap into so many things that have absolutely impacted my life and given me so much knowledge. Yes, we are so excited for you to hear directly from Shira. I'm sure you guys have seen on Instagram. I tag her all the time. Shira has personally changed my life and fully changed my relationship with food. I've worked with her personally for a long time and honestly just want to give the world access to all things Shira. In this episode today, we are going to tap into what it actually means to eat intuitively, the importance of meal assembly versus meal prep, bio-individuality and why everyone's plate is always going to look different, what we should be eating during our different cycles, and so much more. As Sammy so beautifully said, nutrition is tricky and we're here to make it simple with the help of the lovely Shira Barlow. Let's do it. Welcome back to another episode of Transform. We are 
so beyond excited to be sitting across from a dear friend and someone that I am just so personally grateful for in my journey, Miss Shira Barlow. She is my nutritionist. She's my friend. She is someone who I and the whole internet considers as such an expert in the space that is nutrition. I think we can all relate that nutrition can be very daunting, a lot of unknown. So we're really big here on hiring experts or at least listening to experts to get the knowledge we all crave, no pun intended. Yeah, Cher, we are so, so excited. This is my first time meeting you, but Mm -hmm. I told you, I feel like I know you based on the conversations I've had with Sammy, but also just stalking you and getting all of the goodness and yumminess that you share. And I think the biggest thing I'm excited about is the reason you are so perfect to have on here is the way that you present this relationship with food, talking about food it's way less intimidating and overwhelming and it's way deeper than here's your meal plan, here's the meal. There's so much understanding of why and also that emotional relationship of giving ourselves so much grace and love and forgiveness and building this honest, beautiful relationship with food, which will be in our life forever. So I am so grateful and so excited to get started and just dive into this episode with you. Thank you guys so much. That was such a generous, sweet intro. Thank you guys. Oh my gosh, you're so more than deserving. I could go on and on. And I think even just to tap us a little bit more into my personal journey, I've lost over 80 pounds. I've tried a lot of things in my journey. And I think for me, the all-knowing yes was just having the answers of why things are also working for me and the bio-individuality of that. And I think just to set the stage, Sammy and myself, you know, we're best friends, business partners, but also like full different body types, different cravings, different appetites, really different everything. And I think what you do so beautifully that we'd love to start with is respecting the bio-individuality of human beings. I'm so glad that you started with that because I do think it's really important and especially important now because, listen, we have so much access to so much health information online. We have access to like every hot girl on TikTok and a sports bra talking about what she eats in a day. Who knows that that even is what she eats in a day? But there's so much information. And, you know, you could go kind of a negative way with it, which is like it's too much information. You know, not all of this is good. But you know what? I think it's cool. I get a lot of really good inspiration from a lot of things that I see online. I get amazing recipe inspiration. The thing that I would say is like when you have so much access to so many things, what we really do have to do is look at what people are doing and be like, would that work for me? Like, Mm. good for you. And in some cases, not for me. Like, I'll give you an example from my own life, specifically with like the cold plunge of it all. There is so much research out there to show that like it can really actually really promote health in a lot of different ways. It's it's a really cool thing. You can find truly a ton of research on it. But for me, I'm like, I get cold in like the produce section of Whole Foods. So that is your cold plunge. No, that is my cold plunge. And I'm someone who has like cold hands and cold feet and a cold nose. And it's just like that would never work for me. It would be really uncomfortable for me. And I think that it would actually be detrimental to me because I have like circulation stuff. And so you have to be able to like you could look and truly search cold plunge and see all the benefits, which are true, but then 
it wouldn't be true for me. So I think that like when you go and you see what people are doing, I really do think to flex that muscle of like, what are those things that are good for other people and not necessarily for you? And, you know, same thing with dairy, which is a great example, which is that if you process dairy, I'm so happy for you. That is amazing. Having like high quality, beautiful dairy, protein, me. healthy fat. Exactly. I could literally eat a brick of cheddar cheese. Dream. Like that not is. Not me. <laughs> yeah, Sam not would me. Be on the toilet for a week. Yeah, seems. <laughs> but like for you to have, you know, maybe even like a cauliflower rice bowl with shredded chicken and guac and, you know, fajita veggies and then do some cheese on top of that. Like what a dream that adds like flavor dimension, fat, protein, satiety, enjoyment. So for you, that's that's like incredible. And I might see you do that really beautifully online. But for Sammy and I, like we could look at it and be like, that looks amazing and good for her, not for me, but certainly not for me. Yeah. I love this. I feel like I want to honor so much of the people that are sharing and posting as I am one of them as a fitness yeah. trainer, but also not a certified dietitian or nutritionist. And I obviously have certain genetics, a certain metabolism that I have grown to know and love since I was young and it runs in my family. I know the gist. And I think meeting someone like Sammy and getting to see her side of things, she's 5'3", I'm 5'11", you know, again, very Schmalls different, and <laughs> Schmalls and talls, very different bodies, very very different metabolisms, very different ways of eating. I'm very allergic to dairy. I do not tolerate it well. And I love this moment for people to dive into their nutrition, but understand who you're possibly diving into and getting inspiration from, not in a way of comparing that feels negative, but more this inspiration of can I relate to maybe them having similar ways as myself that I know to be true? Totally. And I'm, I think that's really generous and important that you shared it in that way, because I think that people can be kind of brutal to someone like you on the Internet in that way, too, where it's like, you know, genetically, you probably haven't had to think about food in the same way like some like Sammy and I have, for instance. And I think that that's also really important. Like there's mm -hmm. I encounter so much of that in my practice, too. And what happens is I see a lot of people with like your genetic type later in like their late 40s where there's hormonal stuff going on and they've never really had to think about food from like, you know, maybe an aesthetic. But you, there was nothing that they needed to do in terms that of that was me now, Shira. I had severe cystic acne. Me, really oh. bad gut issues, was feeling super lethargic, not energized, bloated. Yeah. And that's what invited me into step up my nutrition and dive into it. But agreed before that, it was more of a way of living and feeling based on how my family taught me. Yeah. But truly my feeling of not feeling my best in my skin, that was my entrance to, okay, what's going on here and what foods are right for me? Yeah. And I think that, again, I just think it's really generous of you to kind of really transparently stated that way because I think that like if you're sharing what you should be because I think it's fun and interesting like maybe a smoothie bowl you're having or what you're having during the day I think it's interesting and I think that someone might be able to look at that and be like oh that would work for her because of her genetic makeup but I would have to go something a lot more protein a lot more fat a lot less you know starch in that way but I think the more we're kind of just like open and honest and then we just take the inspiration pieces like I've seen your videos they're incredible 
incredible. I've mm-hmm. saved a ton. Like, you know, you take the bits and pieces that would be really relevant for you. I love that. I think what I'm hearing as the first step is just honoring your sense of self. Yeah. And really connecting to self before you're taking inspiration from anyone and everyone. Yeah. So obviously with myself, I've had like a huge transformation with my weight. For someone like Sammy, she has really taken on her interest in nutrition through her acne journey wherever someone may be in their life right now that is listening to this and they want to start gaining more information about nutrition and what actually works for them, what are three actionable ways that they can take into their life to kind of audit themselves right now and start seeing what works for them and that connection with self? So I think the biggest thing, which is really the first thing we would do in practice is in a really non-judgmental way, thinking about ways in which you maybe haven't been able to show up for yourself, the ways in which you've maybe abandoned yourself. Because, you know, when I first started my practice many, many, many years ago at this point, what I would find is that there was often this gap between what people set out to do and what people were doing consistently day after day. And it was never for the reasons that they feared, which is that they didn't have willpower, or they just couldn't do it, and they just didn't have it within them. It was that, like, we're tired and we're stressed and we're busy and it's loaded and it's more complicated than, you know, just food in, food out. And so I would say the really big thing is, again, in the most non-judgmental way possible, what has been challenging for you? What are those scenarios and circumstances where you just weren't able to show up for yourself and really look at what is sidesteppable? Because there are certain things that happen where you're like, oh, I could have kind of approached this differently. I could have planned ahead differently. I could have thought about this differently. I could have talked to myself differently. And then there are other situations that like that was just the situation. And it was more like, how do we self-regulate in that moment to center ourselves and do our best to connect to our prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that is the most evolved. And it helps I love you. when you pop off on science. Yeah, I'll pop Give off on science. <laughs> the prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that is the most evolved part of the brain. And it is also the most distractible and prone to distractions. It's the part of the brain that helps you decide like, okay, but is this what I want? for tomorrow and the day after and three months, six months, a year from now. It's not even fully formed until we're 30, which makes sense because, you know, I think a lot of us make decisions when we're before 30 that aren't like forward facing. And the idea isn't that we're always choosing things and choosing foods and making decisions thinking like, okay, well, this is going to be good for myself three months from now. But it is having that ability to be like, do I really want this? Is this worth it to me? Does this serve me? And so I think that a big piece of it is what is sidesteppable and we can figure out, you know, how we plan ahead in those ways. And then for the things that aren't sidesteppable, how do we gracefully navigate connecting, connecting, connecting to ourselves and connecting to that prefrontal cortex. Gosh. When you say sidestep, what does that mean? Does that mean like not going through it and instead like finding another direction? Yeah, good question. I feel like I'll give you an example. I have a client. She's amazing. She's like in her 20s. And she's kind of like Sammy and I like, oh, I'm just someone who's like, can't do a ton of starch. It's like not going to work mm-hmm. well for me. It just, I don't feel good. So I'm a lot more like focused on proteins and fats. I definitely have carbs. Like I'm a big sweet potato person. I have dark chocolate every day, but I'm not going to go like order a, an entree pasta. And she's like that. And, you know, at that age, she has a friend or let's call it like friend in air quotes who kind of sometimes gives her crap for that. Mm. And then she realized that she was sometimes indulging for the wrong reason. So my whole thing is like, 
if something's worth it to you and you really want it and that's what you want to have, then like sit down with it, enjoy the shit out of it, slow down and then move on. But indulging because you don't want someone else to think you're lame or you're trying to prove something to someone else, that doesn't feel good. So Mm -hmm. that's an example of how maybe you plug in and you're like, ooh, what are some ways where I've kind of abandoned myself and felt bummed about that? So a way to sidestep that would be to know like when I'm encountering these situations where I'm going into a meal with someone who might kind of push my boundaries, how am I going to show up for myself and how do I do that? And I think it's usually a combination of planning ahead a little bit. Like maybe you're looking at the menu. Maybe you're... I love that. I do that daily still. Me too. I don't know if it's because menus excite me so much. Like I like to plan just out of the excitement around the meal, but also around the safety of me knowing that there's something I can eat and feel my best self. Yeah. And like the thing about it is you may look at the menu and be like, oh, wow, I really want the X. And then I think that if you really want that and you're thinking about like, that's amazing. I think it's it's hard to feel again like you're indulging because the day just kind of happened to you or you didn't feel like you had a better option. Like that never feels good. But indulging because it's something that's really worth it to you and you're going to be so excited about is the best. Yeah. I know we're going to talk about thoughtful indulging because it's yes. such a topic that I loved yes. seeing you talk about. The, the word thoughtful behind indulging was awesome. It's the best oxymoron mm. probably ever. It really <laughs> is. I feel like I want to give, I love the how to have a healthy relationship with food, step one of like the self-reflection moment, which I feel like a lot of people miss, right? Like when you go into even the start of the new year, your energy is like just going to dive right in and you dive head first and then you get burnt out or you fail and then you feel all these different feelings with it where food is just a whole big ballgame that I think takes time and patience and understanding. And a lot of it starts with yourself. So after that, like step one of reflection, what would be a step two and three you think for a healthy relationship with food? So really, really good question. So I think so in the practice, there's like the next two steps, which I think, again, what are the things in terms of like sidestep ability? What can you do to plan ahead to make your future self and your future life easier. So for instance, you know, a great example of this is I think the whole like meal prep thing has gotten out of hand in a way where it's just kind of, I mean, to me, it feels overwhelming. I don't know what I want to eat on Thursday. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know that I want a whole thing. I don't really have time to do all of that, but I do love the idea of meal assembly. Like what can you have in your fridge that you could throw together to make a meal that you were excited about? I love that term, meal assembly. And I feel like honestly in form when we talk about meal prep, it is so much of meal assembly. Like get like your cornerstone needs and then assemble them how you see fit. Exactly. Based on your cravings. Exactly. And I think that so many of us would love to have like to me one of my biggies is I like poaching chicken and then I'll take that chicken I'll shred it up and then I'll crisp it up with olive oil cumin paprika garlic powder onion powder I love salt. sexy chicken sexy chicken you gotta make sexy chicken sexy no you gotta make chicken it's the by the way thing. chicken is sexy yes it is yeah but it can also <laughs> not be no, in no, some cases no no I agree like Sam knows if there is a chicken on a menu I will order it no same oh my god she orders an entire rotisserie no, chicken no, I no, love no. rotisserie not my damn. I'm like, give me a steak, make this it meaty. And she's example. like, a rotisserie no, chicken. No, no, no. Literally. Well, it's A, so Jewish of us. Yes. I, if you are what you eat, like I am rotisserie No, chicken. literally, 
chicken is a love language and yes. it is my love language. Yes. Guys. But you got to yes. make it sexy. Yeah. Sam, you, okay. right. yeah. I have to season the chicken. crap out of chicken because yeah. it's not my, it's actually not my fave. I would love to make you this chicken because <gasps> it ends up being like crispy, brown, delicious. Mm. And then, you know what? I did something last night for me and my son that I actually don't normally do. So, okay. You take the poached chicken, you put it with olive oil, you crisp it up, paprika, cumin, garlic powder, onion powder, a little bit of salt. Taking notes. What it's, temperature are you cooking this chicken on? So it's already like cooked. It's already poached. Oh, and then you're now, now you we're crisping it up. I'm doing it, it all wrong. Got we're it. crisping it up. So this is now just like the little extras. Like it's been cooked. Like you could eat it as is, but we're going sexy with it. Okay. But you know how there's like the crispy parts in the pan that are delicious, arguably the most delicious part. I put a little bit of apple cider vinegar to like deglaze the oh. pan so all the crispy bits came out. And then I put it on the plate. By the way, this is my go-to meal, okay? So it's the poached chicken. Crisp it up with all the spices. Then now we're deglazing with a little apple cider vinegar. Makes it, you know, a little bit of acid, whatever. Then I do tahini Sliced cucumber, sliced Persian, uh, sliced Persian cucumber, sliced tomato. Dream. Have that with sweet potato. Nothing better, in my opinion. Okay. So, Noted. So, but in I'm going to order- send this episode to my husband and just say, <laughs> make it happen. No, make it happen. Right. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like for me, having poached chicken, I need because I go, you know, back to back with clients. I, I'm busy during the day. And so to me to like know that it's there and I could crisp that up really easy is really nice. Having a couple of things, whether they're prepped or bought is really, really important to me because it does my tonight self, you know, a huge favor. And I really need that. The other piece with that, which I talk about a lot, which I'm really really, really passionate about is, you know, for me, and I think a lot of people like the big daunting task of like a prep is like, ah, that seems like a lot of work. So to me, the idea is how do we break down that big task into micro tasks? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have 20 minutes. What could I chop? What could I saute? What could I roast? What could I steam? You know, I think about that a lot for like young moms too. Like, you know, if your cutting boards are out and you made breakfast or you made snack or lunch for your kid, like what can you do right now that would make your tonight self? I love that advice. In a better place. I find for myself too, as someone who like when I need a snack, I need a snack to have had chopped veggies and my favorite fruits accessible, yes. clean and ready in gorgeous bowls in my fridge. Yes. I'm not going for the cookies and the crackers. Exactly. And that's the kind of thing. It kind of segues into what we were talking about, which is like, there's two pieces of it. The first piece of like making thoughtful choices from your prefrontal cortex. In order to do that, you need to have your prefrontal cortex engage. And again, that is a really distractible part of our brain. So, you know, there's one piece which we'll talk about next, which is connect, connect, connect. And how do we do that? But this idea of what can you do to set yourself up kind of bypasses the need to do that, not to say you don't need to be thoughtful, but gosh, how nice is it to have that prepped and ready to go? Because the reality is, is like most of us, especially I, I'm thinking about this because I just got off the phone with a client who has two young kids. She closes the door to, you know, her kid's room and she loves them so much, but she's also like so tired. And it's so easy to like then just head straight to the pantry. But mm-hmm. if like the crudite is cut and washed and she has the dip or she has the fruit that she really wants, it's like she doesn't even have to make the choice. It's already there. Mm. So would you say a good step for someone, say that they truly are eating processed foods, eating out all the time, and they're ready to start this journey, but they don't want to go one to 100, feeling like they need to cook every meal, the whole thing. 
Would you say having the education first of what a good balanced plate look like, if it is carb, healthy carbs, healthy fats, protein, yeah. understanding that first so you can kind of know what to prep and put in the fridge rather than kind of buying those not so great items that are going to make you not feel good, the processed items? Yeah, I think that this is a great example of how bioindividuality comes in because there are people like I bet that your plate kind of should look different from Sammy and Maya's plate. And so, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Like yeah. for me and Sammy and a lot of my clients and a lot of people, it's like, you know, mostly 50% veg. The most of the rest of the plate it would be protein. And then like the sliver would be like a starch, like a delicious starch, like a sweet potato. And like enjoy that and have that. And I'm a big fan of that. But that's like very much a supporting role, not like a main character. But for you, I could see that portion of like a healthy complex carb or like beans, legumes, you know, a slice of beautiful sourdough. I could see that being like a bigger slice of your pie. Mm -hmm. Your genetics are different. Mm -hmm. You're working out a lot differently than someone like me. So I think that I think that in general, going more protein, veg, healthy fat forward and having the carbs be more of a supporting role, I think in general is a good guide. But then beyond that, in terms of like what percentage for each thing, I do think people need to kind of pay attention to their bioindividuality and what tends to make them feel really good. I mm. love that. That's such a I'm like excited for listeners because I think you're giving the roadmap of like, just start by starting with exactly that plate you just said, yeah. and then kind of understanding if you need to add like myself, okay, I need a little bit more carbs yeah. because I'm feeling a little bit tired and yeah. I actually, that brings me energy. It's kind of this conversation. And I feel like we talk so much about intuitive eating and yes. I think it's really overwhelming to be like, what do you mean? I need to know what to eat or my body is going to talk to me in that way. Yeah. So I guess how would you recommend someone to start the conversation of being intuitive with their eating? I love that you asked me this question because I feel really, really passionate about it. I think that and I know because I talk to so many people a day, and I think this idea of intuitive eating is absolutely beautiful. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful is that idea. How you would define it? Well, yeah, it's kind of like, what am I feeling? What am I craving? Eat when you're hungry, stop that when resonates you're full. deeply. It's yeah. really beautiful, but what if you're not sure? And I think that that can often be really alienating if you're not. So I think you see these like, gorgeous women who are thriving, who are feeling really good, who are like, I'm an intuitive eater and I figured it out and I got the holy grail. And that's amazing. It's beautiful. And I really, really celebrate that. But on the flip side, I also think that a lot of people then are like, okay, but how do I know? How do I know when I'm hungry? And how do I know when I'm full? And how do I know what I'm actually craving? And, you know, I used to not work with as many clients with eating disorders, but I've actually welcomed this past year quite a bit. And it's been really, it's been really helpful and really interesting and really, really beautiful work. And I think, for instance, not just like people who have had active eating disorders, but even just like disordered eating in general, which is a lot of people. But what I find is that if you've ever kind of actively told your body not to listen to your body, yeah. if you've actively kind of like felt hunger or something and been like, no, we're not going to have, you know, then we are kind of telling ourselves not to listen to our bodies, you know. So I think in those cases, it is hard and it does take extra work to understand what you need and what actually is full and what actually does feel good. And it's really beautiful work and it's really, really possible, but it, it does take a lot of like connecting, connecting, connecting. And practice, I yes. imagine. Yeah. 
All of my girlies who are not cooks in the kitchen, let me hear you. I am one of them. I do not like to cook. So I have the perfect partner that I am so excited to try with you. It is Hungry Root. Now, Hungry Root is truly your dream partner for healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries that are simple, healthy recipes that would be delivered to your door. So how you get started, this is what I just did is I took a really fun short quiz and it actually was really fun because they ask you just really in-depth questions. They want to know what are your personalized dietary needs. They also ask you how much time you want to spend in the kitchen, which I found so key to ask. They ask you what appliances you have and they will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal taste. After the recommendation, you can even customize it even more. So after I put my cart together, also the fun part is they have tons of snacks and desserts that are already like products that you would buy at the store. But here's my thing. Sometimes I don't know if I want to try a new product and so I don't get it. They have the best healthy alternative products on their site. They have so many of the best leading brands that I am so in love with that are super healthy that also get added into your box. So everything from Hungry Root tastes good. It's quick to make and contains whole and trusted ingredients. And the biggest thing is it saves hours of planning, shopping, over buying, cooking, all the stuff that does not lead me to succeeding in my weeks with food. So right now, Hungry Root is offering Transform listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungerroot.com slash transform to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungerroot.com slash transform. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What are the questions 
for someone who wants to be more intuitive, that someone could ask themselves while they're eating yes. to really connect with the food. Like I sometimes find myself so distracted while I'm eating yes. and almost dissociating because I'm thinking of 10 other things or I'm scrolling on Instagram or I'm watching whatever. Yeah. Like how can we come back to ourselves to connect with our food? It's such a good question. You and I have talked about this and it, it's something that I think everyone can do. One of the, like the easy things that's like a no brainer and I'm obsessed with and I've been talking about it for a million years is eat with your non-dominant hand if you can, because what it does is it kind of interrupts that cruise control where, and there's all this research on this that they did research on people who were kind of like eating in front of a screen. And what happened was compared to the people that weren't, that food almost didn't register. It was like having eating amnesia. So it's kind of that thing of like full not satisfied where like the meal didn't really fully register. So it was kind of they were more hungry after it and they wanted more and had more because they were distracted and it it didn't actually, they weren't actually feeling it fill them up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that eating with your non-dominant hand is a really, really cool way to kind of force yourself to slow down, pay attention to what you're eating while you're eating. The other thing about it is like if you can add something with some dimension in terms of like flavor or mixed media, the thing that we often do, and I'm really guilty of this because this is like my toxic trait, but like if I love something, I want that every day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to burn it out and then I'm never going to want to see that again, you know? But don't take my advice on that because the thing that we really do want to do is ideally like add a little something extra, add a little kimchi, add a little sauerkraut, add a little pickled onion. Make it interesting. Add a little crispy shell. Make it a little interesting because what happens, it's almost like, you know, when you're driving down the road and you've been on cruise control for a while and then that like want coffee thing pops up in the light and you're like, Whoop! and all of a sudden you're back online and you're tuned in. You're like, I'm paying attention. That's what happens when you have like, whether you're kind of forced to pay attention to what you're eating while you're eating, or you have that little flavor dimension that kind of gets your taste buds involved, more senses involved. I do think eating with your hand, I'm kind of into eating with your hands. Like if you can't, if it's like socially acceptable, and whatever, but like too. it's a little more sensual. It's a little more like more of your senses are involved. So it just, it activates more of your brain and it makes it harder to abandon yourself in the moment. The other big thing that I've been talking about for a long time is like, and it sounds so simplistic, but it's really not, especially for the people that work from home, myself included, like put your stuff on a plate. Mm. Even if it's like a little thing of chocolate or a little like handful of nuts or whatever, like ideally put it in a little dish, sit down with it. Sammy with enjoy. her your chocolate bar on a plate. Do I, you? I love that. No, I don't do it on a plate, Shira. <laughs> now she oh, what do you do? I eat it in bed, like shoving it in my face, <laughs> well, but it's such a moment for maybe me. I'm like a, maybe we're getting gonna, you a nice little dish. I'm going to put it on a plate. Yeah, do a nice little dish. I feel like what you're screaming to me is romanticizing yeah. also your food. And I feel like that's something I've actually been leaning into so much. I am no chef at all. And so I actually feel like I had this bad feeling toward cooking. I didn't enjoy it because every dish turned out not the best. And I was trying to be everyone else's dish that looked absolutely beautiful. And when I just started to play and turn on the music, even have a glass of wine at night, try a new recipe and like make it my own thing. Like you're saying, add kimchi, even if it doesn't make sense, like whatever I'm enjoying or olives. It is like a fun science experiment. It is. And like really playing and romanticizing. So even adding it to a plate, I I love. I love that. I feel like even what you're talking about of the conversation of when you're starting to eat and like feeling it really going through your body and being really present with it. My fiance and I actually started doing where we 
look at our plate before we eat it. And everyone thinks we're crazy before we do it at restaurants. We do it everywhere, but we'll like thank the food of where it came from. So like truly from the chefs, then from, you know, the farms, then from the ground. It kind of builds this relationship of this food is going to nurture my body and do something Mm. for it. Rather than I think before when I was feeding myself for physique or kind of this physical energy, I didn't look at food as this beautiful thing that is here to love me, support me, Mm. be my medicine, help my skin, help my immune system, help me be a mom one day. And when I take that pause, the way that I feel when I eat that food is so different. That resonates so much. I feel like food really is medicine. Mm. I've always considered myself a foodie almost to a fault at times in my life, but like truly a foodie in that I have just always loved and appreciated the taste and the experience that is food. I love romanticizing a meal. We share that so deeply. I love talking about my food while I'm eating it. And I think like when I define myself as an intuitive eater, it's because I'm tasting it and I'm talking about it. I'm feeling it and I'm understanding it. You know, I'm taking a bite of my sexy chicken and I'm describing why I love it. And truly, like as Sammy was saying with her and her fiance, My husband and I could talk about food like it literally is our love language. And I joke around that it truly is. I feel like this is something I would love to know with your guys' sessions that you've done together because you have been a foodie since I've known you. And we respect that. Yeah, absolutely. And I love it. And I think that's such a question you get asked all the time. And Cher, I'd love to know from you of people being like, I love pasta. I love going out to dinner and getting the yummy foods or the desserts. Yeah. So how do they continue to enjoy food and it not feel restricting or like yourself as a foodie feeling like you can't have the foods you crave. Yeah. I'm going to sound like Shira for a second. <laughs> Tell me if I do this right. Everything is on the table, but not everything is worth That's it. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's it. That is it. The thing about it is, listen, and everyone has different goals and everyone's really different. And so, I mean, in the individual sessions, one person to another based on like how they like to play their day and what they like to have for breakfast, things that they like to have for dinner. Some people like to have like a more decadent meal like a starchy, like some people want to come home and be able to do the pasta every night and they can kind of plan their day accordingly. Like I have, I have a client right now who's in business school who eats out every single meal and she's still hitting all her goals, which I think is really cool. Like the answer, which may be unsatisfying is that like, it really depends on the person, but whatever the person is, We can do it as long as you are kind of willing to be like, again, what Sammy said from kind of my greatest hits, which is that everything is on the table, but not everything can be worth it. And I think that is when, you know, we think about that future self because and I talk about this a lot where we all have right now wants. We want like, you know, the bagel or the pasta or the thing not to say that like you can't have that by no means can you not have that. But I think that like that thing all day long won't work for most people if like what their goal is, is weight loss or, you know, specifically blood sugar balance that wouldn't work as well. Right. So 
I think you take into consideration what those goals are like tomorrow, next day, three months, six months, a year from now. And you decide like what is worth it to me right now? What is the rest of my day going to look like? And knowing what I need to do more or less to stay consistent, kind of show up for myself and decide like picking and choosing those things. Mm -hmm. I think that as long as it's a question and you are kind of balancing what's worth it, what's not, I think that there's no way that you don't get to have the things that you want just in moderation. Yeah. I feel that so deeply because of the practice that we've instilled in myself. And I think truly, like, I wish I could talk to myself five years ago when I was starting my journey to not have put myself in such a restrictive box day one. But what was beautiful about that was testing my self-discipline, which I always say now, like, is my greatest form of self-love. And I think self-discipline, the way I would describe it in my practice, in my journey, in my day-to-day is understanding what makes me feel my best, leaning into those. But also, as you say all the time, thoughtful, indulging, everything's on the table. If I want to have a bite of chocolate cake or a whole freaking slice of chocolate cake, I totally can. But I know what makes me feel my best. And I also know what's worth it. Yeah. And like, I can't do a lot of starches based on how my body reacts. But when I do go all in on the pasta, I am very thoughtfully and all knowingly going in willingly for the effects that I know it's going to have on someone who it doesn't really work for. That was put really beautifully. And I'll share something. I don't know. It's kind of vulnerable, but I think it's really valuable about me personally, which is that, you know, I really do walk the walk in terms of all this. But it wasn't even the week of Thanksgiving. It was the week after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted more of everything. And it wasn't like a fuck it. It wasn't uh, like this doesn't count. It was just kind of like, I just want this. And like, I'm Were you in your luteal phase? Um, (laughs) Like probably. But it was like a conscious, it was a conscious like, overindulgence, I would say. And it was kind of fun for like the first, like, let's say three, four days. And then by the end of the week, I didn't feel amazing. Like I felt like it was kind of fun. It felt like, you know, cozy hibernation, but I just didn't feel amazing. Mm -hmm. I was like, that was like fine and fun, but I'm just going to like get right back to what I normally do. And within a week, I felt really normal. And in a way, it was really helpful because I, I typically don't really do that. And it reminded me how well it works, you know, like it reminded me like like the old school thing. of when I was like in my early 20s, I would have been like, I've ruined everything. This is all a dumpster fire. Now for the next three months, I'm going to be punishing myself. Instead, I was like, that was kind of fun. It was a little extra. I don't really feel that good doing that. But like, good to know that you could if you wanted to in a way. I appreciate you sharing that so much. I think as someone who is such an expert and people look to, I love the beauty of you being like, we are all human. We are all doing it. Like we can so relate. So thank you for sharing that. I feel like this is such a question for me of after you did that and kind of had that conscious realization, how do you heal from maybe the shame or the emotions that naturally come up? And for people who maybe shame is coming up so often for them with food that they've built this relationship of, I'm just going to keep doing it because I can't even face it or it feels so uncomfortable or they go the other direction and like food's scary and I don't even want to be near it. I'm so excited to dive into this specific topic because it's really near and dear to my heart. I think it's two pieces. The first piece is that I actually did do it consciously. Like I consciously overdid it. And I think there's a difference. There's this whole thing of like loopholes and more licensing of like, 
I've been so good, I deserve to be bad, or it's Thanksgiving, Mm. it doesn't count. And I think people do a lot of that. And the issue with it is it's just not based in reality. This isn't like a matter of vice or virtue. You don't like get something or something doesn't count less because it's the, you know, summer or winter or whatever. It just, it doesn't work like that. And so I think that when you, when you indulge, if you overindulge under kind of the false pretenses of a moral licensing or loophole, then at the end of it, when you're a little farther away from your original goal or where you like to be, it feels like, ah, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this is crazy and awful. And like, I don't even understand. And it, you feel kind of like really not like yourself and really off your game. But if you do, and sometimes, you know, like I'll give you an example, like before Thanksgiving, I kind of give people the option. I'm like, do you want, there are different ways you can play it. You can kind of like you know, do a little more than you would normally, you know, you might not feel like exactly the same that you do, you know, when we're making like progress week to week, but kind of like coast a little bit and not make any progress. And then some people want to continue their progress during, which is totally possible too. And then I guess there is the third option of like, do you want to consciously overindulge? Is there a point where that is worth it to you? Obviously, I'm not talking about like, you know, crazy and like huge blood sugar curves and feeling awful, Mm -hmm. especially if you have like metabolic stuff. But I do think like, as long as you're kind of being super honest about what's happening, I think you're going to be in a good place. I think that the worst thing that happens is that like when people aren't that motivated for whatever reason in that moment, and then they don't do the thing that they set up to do, we can tell ourselves little lies like, oh, I'm just not able to do that. It's like, no, but you, this just wasn't top of mind for you this week. And so I think that in terms of the shame and inadequacy and all these things. For me, I was very aware of what I was doing. And I was kind of, it was almost like, okay, it wasn't like a, I don't care. It was like, I guess we're doing this for this week. So at the end, I was like, and I guess we're done with this. So, but that I will be completely honest in that that has been such an evolution for me, not just professionally, but personally. When I was younger, I would have totally punished myself. And I think a big piece, and I've been talking about this a ton in the practice is, you know, When I first started the practice, I was like, I had just done all these clinical rotations. I worked in the hospital and I was just like, here's the information. Do this. I'll see you in a week. Let's talk. And then it was kind of baffling to me at first that like people could have all this information. There would be that intention and action gap. And then, like I said, I realized that, you know, it was so much more complicated than just like, here's a plan. Here's the thing. And what I realize now is that feelings, so many of us are taught, like truly everyone, to not feel our actual feelings. It's Mm -hmm. all like, you're fine, you're fine, it's fine, it's fine, don't cry, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, because it's fine. And I think that a lot of us get into like our late 20s, 30s, where we're just then coming to a place where we can access the thing that we're actually feeling. And if you had told me back in the day, I was young at just starting my practice, that this would be a part of my practice, I would be like, that doesn't really feel like it would be a part of my scope, but it's a huge piece. Because if you think about it, when you don't feel your feelings, you disassociate. When you disassociate, you can't connect to your prefrontal cortex. And then you go to a coping mechanism, whether it's Mm -hmm. drugs, alcohol, food, sex, perfectionism, whatever it is. So the thing about it is that I've realized is so many people come to me, they're like, I didn't do the thing 
that I set out to do because I was disassociated and I was in this moment. And so what I've started to do is have people kind of microdose really uncomfortable feelings. It's like this idea of, you know, that that saying rest or your body will find a time to rest for you. It's always like mm. right before finals, right before your vacation or some like big promotion or something. I kind of feel the same way about feelings, like feel your feelings or they're going to come spook you at 3am when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, I could not relate more. I think literally on our last call, yes. you said verbatim, yes. I'm in the mood to feel my feelings. And I will say like being a part of your practice, it really is therapy. Mm. And I'm so grateful for every second of it. But I freaking agree. Like we are in the mood to feel our feelings. And food is an emotional freaking yeah. thing. I mean, even just to share something so deeply within yeah. my journey of even hearing you say that and something that we've talked about when I was, you know, quote unquote, at my rock bottom, but yeah. really just physically at my worst and unhealthiest, I was also at my most unhealthy point with a relationship in my life. Yeah. And I'm really in this like making meaning season and in so much of the reflection of what I have accomplished over the last couple of years, I'm also making meaning of the fact that that relationship that was a bit toxic at times, every encounter was over food. Mm. And I wasn't just not feeling my best self, but I was using food as a tool to get out. Yeah. And I was overeating. I wasn't conscious. I was fully dissociated. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was home for the holidays in the same environment to which that happened. And to feel myself now and to have the tools I have now through taking the long journey of learning and hiring you and really doing my homework and my research. I'm sitting in that same chair in that same restaurant and having mm. such a different conversation and relationship with my food. I'm so glad you, sh you felt good sharing that because we did talk about that. And I do think it's important. And, and it's interesting. I think that I think that we worry that if we feel the actual core feeling that it will break us. But the weird thing is, is that when you feel the actual feeling, which in some cases can be like ugly, like, you know, jealousy and loathing and uh, feeling isolated, abandoned, like really uncomfortable feelings. But when you connect to what it actually is, it actually is less uncomfortable than the kind of anxiety around the coping mechanism. And you can action it. Yeah, you can action it. You need to name it, action it. Yeah. And then it kind of moves through you. I'll be completely honest. Like from my own life, I I had like just incredible grief that I had to move through in the last couple of years. And there was one day in particular, I literally fell to my knees and like wailed. And I thought like, oh, God, this is so uncomfortable. How will I do this? And when I was done, it felt like true weight had been lifted off of me. Mm -hmm. And it just made me realize how how heavy that had been weighing and how that made me kind of cope in different ways that just weren't weren't me. And the other thing I will say about it that that I think is valuable is that what I've realized in the past years of feeling feelings is that sometimes really kind of uncomfortable, painful feelings will come find me in my most peaceful, quietest moments. Mm -hmm. And I used to be like, ah, you can't be here. I'm having a nice time. Like I'm watching Oliver open up his Hanukkah gifts and like, this isn't fair. Like you, you can't be here. And then I started to kind of like ease into it and think about those feelings as like, a friend who's kind of depressed and needed to be there. And I'd be like, you can sit here with me and like, here's a weighted blanket, but you're not going to ruin mm. this. But just by like 
allowing that to be there and letting that be true really helped me just be able to actually enjoy the moment. And so uh, to bring it all back to food, which is obviously why we're here, I really do think that like if we can microdose those feelings and we can feel kind of the core thing and check in with us, it actually, and there's research that shows this, it helps you connect, connect, connect to your prefrontal cortex. It can helps you connect to yourself. It makes you realize how, oof, I am feeling that really gnarly feeling that comes up. And I would typically self-soothe with X. Mm. What can I pull off my dopamine menu instead to like show up for myself? You know, like instead of going with the quick fix. I feel like it all comes back to for me when I hear someone who or even myself, I start to have those emotions come up in an area that I'm working. So say I was working with trying to have a better relationship with food and then these emotions started to come forward. I would think I'm going backwards. I'm like, Mm. I'm supposed to be feeling amazing. I've been doing so good. I'm having this incredible conversation with my food. What the freak are you doing here, sadness? Like, could you actually scoot it and boot it because I'm feeling so good? And I feel like that pause, that gentle pause of like, hey, friend or hey, self, I know you're feeling this feeling. And usually what would happen is we go for the cookies or we go for the indulgent. And instead, if I have a thoughtful moment of what do I actually need right now? Is this meal good for me? Or do I need to go take a walk real quick and take a breath? So I appreciate you bringing up the emotions. That's something I think I'm diving into now almost turning 30 is like actually embracing emotions, which do come up in all the areas that we are working in, but that's what they're supposed to do because they're like, cool, you're working in this area. Guess what? I'm going to bring also these emotions with it because you're going to see that you can do hard things. And these challenges are going to be so good for you when you lean into it and have the support around you. And I feel like this is such a good question to ask of when people are starting this conversation and emotions are coming, like how do they know what foods are actually best for them? And how do they start building that connection with their body? So if they're eating those carbs, if they're eating that chocolate, what is happening in their body that they can start to get familiar with and understand what is good, maybe what isn't so good? What can they look for? Yeah, I think with that, it would be the noticing piece, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Kind of keeping track of how does it feel? And I think in in order to do that, you do really have to like slow down, connect, connect, connect. Notice the seasonality. You know, there's a seasonality, obviously, to women who cycle, even women, you know, past the point where they're getting like menstrual cycles. Like there are different parts of the month where there are different things that feel let's better than others. That. Let's get into that. This is, yeah. again, like pop off on your science. Like, <laughs> let's talk the cycles because truly like as someone who works with you, I heard it on the internet a million times and it never made sense to me until we talked about it. So the thing about it and to marry the two questions, which I think are really valuable, are, you know, there is the seasonality. There's four phases of a cycle for women who cycle. There's menstrual, there's follicular, ovulatory, and luteal. And there's different things throughout each phase. And I'm sure you've seen it all over the internet and with exercise and, and stuff like that that are, you know, better during different phases. But the other really interesting piece with it to go back to what you were saying before of like, how do you know, is that even within cycles, your cycle might look different from mine. It might be a different length. Your, you know, ovulation might take place at a different time. There might be like different fluctuations in hormones. There's like, you know, the baseline things that ebb and flow, but it might affect us differently. And so what I would say in as we get into this like cycle talk is within that 
pay attention to what that means for you. But the cool thing is, and to bring it back to kind of what we were talking before about like cruise control, is the thing that I find really exciting is that a lot of my clients, like, you know, we work initially, we're going week, 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 week. People are making a lot of progress. And then it's like, okay, what now? How do we keep this going? Which is arguably harder in some cases than the thing you know, Sammy, more than anyone that like when you, and I have clients in the practice who are like on journeys and that's exciting and there's momentum and people are like, oh my God, go you. And they're like, you know, really feeling themselves. And then what does it mean to just like take good care for take good care's sake? And so I find with myself, you know, I can get stuck in like a food rut. I think so many of us can just having the same thing day after day. So I think like using the seasonality of our cycles to help guide what we're what we're doing in terms of food, there's times like menstrual, which, you know, people consider like the winter phase of our cycle. We're not digesting as well. We need warm, warm, warm foods. We need warm spices like ginger. And like that's a really good time for like stews, braised chicken, <laughs> meat, chili, chili, curry, warm, warm, warm. And, you know, knowing ahead of time that's what might be coming up for you and knowing ahead of time that, like, your mood might be quite low. So maybe what could you do ahead of time and maybe freeze some stuff? You know, same with, you know, ovulatory. That's typically a really good time to do big leafy salads, cruciferous vegetables, you know, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower. That's a really good time to have those cruciferous because they help detox the extra estrogen, Mm. which can sometimes get trapped. We just want it. We want the extra estrogen and then we want it to like move out of our bodies. But like let the seasonality of our natural cycles help guide what we're doing in terms of food. And then there's never kind of a dull moment. And then I think with that, and, and the reason why I'm really passionate about that is A, it helps us figure out what's best for us in the moment, but it also helps give us grace. Like I get bloated during luteal phase. And during luteal phase, it used to get such a bad rap because it was like PMS. It's kind of like really two phases of luteal. The beginning phase, we're like still riding off the end of ovulatory and we can still kind of like, work out, have some energy. But towards the end, like that last week before your period, like, you know, it's tough out there and we're tired and moody and it makes complete sense. And so I wish that I had known about this when I was younger because I think it really gives you some grace. For instance, like, I know I'm going to be bloated. That's not a good time to, you know, be putting on my like tiny little whatever and like, you know, hold myself to a certain standard of like how I normally look and feel. And it helps me be like, of course, because you're in luteal. The other thing with that is that, you know, it gets a bad rap because we crave more during luteal. We're hungrier than luteal. And there's a really good reason for that, which is that our resting metabolic rate is higher during luteal. So I'm someone, you know, as we've talked about, and you are too, where, you know, typically I'm not doing as much starch, but I do an extra serving of starch during my luteal. I'm hungry. I want more sweet potato. I want an extra thing of dark chocolate. Like I want more. I need more. I need heartier. I need more calories. And so I think the more you know about yourself, about your cycle, about those four phases, the more you can show up for yourself and and the better everything hums along. I, I've talked about this before that I think that if we don't build in those conscious indulgences during luteal, we don't give ourselves extra for what we need. When our hormones drop during uh, menstrual, we typically are like, well, I'm going to have the thing and I'm going to go nuts on the cookies or nuts on the whatever. And then we're kind of mad at ourselves and it kind of starts that cycle of not feeling great versus like, 
give yourself a little extra during luteal. Like it, truly resting metabolic rate is higher. Like do it. It's going to feel good. I actually think it ends up helping everything long-term in terms of metabolism and keeping it humming. I love that. I use the Flow app. Do you yeah. like that app? Or what would you recommend is like the easiest way for someone to track their cycle? I'm so glad you asked that. So yes, I do think like don't rely on your own thing. Like the apps make it really easy. So there's like two different reasons, or I should say there's two different types of apps that I think are helpful. I work with like teens. Sometimes I work with tweens. I work with people. I work with a lot of people who've had like fertility problems or maybe just had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So for those people for whom getting pregnant and like ovulation in terms of fertility is either non-applicable or it's triggering or people aren't having penetrative sex. And so they're like, this doesn't have to do with me. Then I like an app called Avia. It's really cool. It's just, it's about the cycles, but without the element, again, of fertility, ovulation. And then there are the apps that are like, you're in your fertile window. This is, you know, a time where pregnancy could be high and you could use that whether you wanted to get pregnant or whether you're wanting to prevent pregnancy, which I think there's a lot of value in that too. And there's a lot of really cool ones. I think Flow is really cool. I use one, to be honest, and now this will be mean if I say this, but I don't think it's amazing. Like I, I use it just to know where I am. Mm in the cycle. So I'm not going to name the name because it would be rude because I'm saying it's not that amazing. <laughs> but I do think people love flow and just having something that just lets you know where you are. Like that's truly all you need it to do. I just love that we talk about this now. Like I feel like women and our health is so important and it's so special and unique. And the fact that there are humans like yourself who have dedicated so much time, thought and love to giving us the answers that mm. we now have access to. So Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I think this kind of touches on our next point, something you brought up within the mindset of goal setting. Yeah. I know, again, through my journey, losing 80 pounds is not something I did overnight by any means. It took many years and I'm maintaining now for the rest of my life, which is a beautiful thing to even be able to say. I'm going to give myself a little pat yes. on the back. But goal setting. I think there are so many different ways to do it. I get asked all the time, do you track your macros, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, how are we to figure out what works for us and then set ourselves up for success within the goals that we want to achieve, whatever that may look like. Yeah. So I hope this, I, I'm going to answer it this way, which is that I think that in order to get what we want, we have to connect to ourselves in the future that have that, that future self that is thriving, doing really well, not just how you look, but how you feel. And I've talked about this before, which is that the people in my practice that do the best Everyone is doing really well, but the people who are like dialed the F in are the brides. Yeah. The wedding marker is big. I mean, I get that. Yeah. I do get that. But, but I, it's not everything. But it's not everything. But what I will say is what I've extrapolated from that is that like they can connect with such great specificity to not just how they want to look on that day, but how they want to feel. And they are connected to her. And like that person. The visualization. Is real. Yes. yes. And, you know, so when I was writing my book... I did a lot of research on this because, again, I was so fascinated by this idea of the intention and action gap and what makes it hard to put intention into action, do consistently every day, the things that you kind of know. And if you do those things, you'll get the things that you want and how sometimes that's hard. And I was really, really interested. I was finding a lot of research on financial planning, not on like behavioral stuff. But what I realized, it's kind of similar, right? So 
saving for the future sucks because you have to forego something you want right now for a payoff long term. And what they found, uh, uh, most of the research is done by this fantastic researcher, Hal Hirschfield. And what he found was that most of those people, their connection with their future self, they thought of themselves in the future as a random person. Like they had no connection to that self in the future. And the issue with that is how are you going to forego something in the here and now for a bigger payoff down the line if you don't can't even connect to that person who's going to reap the benefits. Wow. So what they did in later research is they showed them digitized versions of their older selves and they really connected to like themselves in the future. And what they found it was easier for them to imagine saving for the future. And I really really took that research and I really ran with it and I think it's really interesting because I think it's really applicable for us, which is that if we can't connect at all to ourselves in the future, if we don't think that we can do it, I think we often tell ourselves lies. And I think we often tell ourselves lies because I think we do unsustainable plans that, you know, work for maybe like two months, but then we fall off of them. We feel like we don't have willpower. We don't have it within us. It's just not us. And then we tell ourselves that we can't do it. And we don't connect to the the person in the future of our true selves that could be thriving, that could be doing that, could be doing these things day after day to really show up. And again, like I said, it's not that every single decision you make is like the long-term payoff decision, but it is decisions by and large where you're connecting to that future self. So it is, again, like I say, you know, not everything is worth it. So like, what are those trade-offs? So to me, the brides do a really good job because they are connected. So I would say that the really big step in setting goals is like connect, connect, connect Mm. to that person, that version of you. It's you in the future who's got this Mm. and how good that feels. Again, not just how you look, but really how you feel and how it feels to show up for yourself and not abandon yourself and like really take good care. And I think that's really powerful. I could, I don't know why I want to get like emotional in my Mm. body while you're talking about this, but I feel like when someone feels so defeated and shamed and just feeling like I can't do that, like especially with food, it feels almost like defeat, defeat, defeat again and again and again. So for them to, and myself, that this is why I'm getting emotional because I can relate in so many ways Mm -hmm. that when you think about your future self, because it's almost this extension that feels a little better than you, feels like they know things that you don't know now, it kind of allows you to really commit and understand that that future self already knows you can do it. So it gives you that strength. So what is a way that they can connect with their future self? Would you recommend journaling it out? If they're a visual or like meditating and seeing themselves, like what is this process? I'm obsessed with I'm, you saying that. I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah, I think visualization is huge. Write a letter to your future self. Let them know what's going on now, like how proud you are of your future self. Like I think there are so many different ways. I mean, honestly, this is interesting and I've never really said this or thought about this, but I did. I don't know if you noticed, but on like TikTok, I'm sure you did, where you were looking at versions of your older self. Yes. 
trippy. I had a really kind of emotional thing with that where, you know, I'm looking at my mom, you know, essentially, and you're like, whoa, and it's scary and it's hard and it's also beautiful. And we would all be so lucky to like see our grandkids and like, you know, all of it. And I think like, I don't know, there's a way in which you could, I mean, I like the one where it's like a little less old, you know, like maybe (laughs) like, let's see, like 10 years, that would be fun or like 20 years. I was about to say, I got my great, great, great grandma when I did. Oh, darn. That makes me feel better because I feel like you could have gotten like, you know how some people, they looked like literally just had like a cute little. Get them off the Internet. I was pissed. Yes. No, mine was unkind. But I do think like write a letter to your future self, journal, visualize, maybe look at one of those like not as aggressive age filters and just be like, hey, how you doing? Like, I really, really want to show up for you. And I really, really can't wait to do this for you. I think it's really, really powerful. Gosh, I mean, as someone who didn't do it day one yeah, and really had to put in the practice once I was starting to accomplish my goals in going back to, you know, my 20 something early 20s year old self and telling her, like, you actually did this. You're still doing this. I love this advice. And again, I just so wish that I heard this the first time I sat down with an expert. Mm. And I'm so grateful that you take this approach in your expertise because I am still having that conversation with my old self saying, we did it. Look at me now. Look how amazing I feel. And look at my whole life. Like it can start with food. But when I say that nutrition is one pillar that is so important and actually applies to so many other facets of the entirety of your life. When you lean into feeling your best self, all the other facets feel it too. Yeah, I I mean, I'm you know how much I love you and how proud I am of you. And I think you're amazing. I think you're so generous in that way. And I have a question for you, I guess, which I don't know if I know. Yeah, just because you're a podcast. No, I know. I have a question for you. No, no, no. No, I have a question for you. Do you feel like you had to believe that you could do like in order to do it, you had to believe like I've got this. I straight up did not believe that I would be where I am today. Mm. I wanted it. Really freaking bad. I really wanted it. And I think that's why I had a moment where I plateaued for a really long time. Mm. In total honesty, I got to a place that I was already so freaking pumped. Mm. I mean, truly, I had felt better than I had felt my entire life. This was something I dealt with my entire life. Yeah. And when I did that, you know, let's call it phase one, I was just so proud already. Yeah. That I had accepted her and I was like, holy shit, we did it. I never thought my now self could even exist. So I've been through rounds of this, of not even really seeing myself now. And that's why I have to do this retroactive work. Yeah. Because my old self still is a huge part of me now. I think that's really valuable because the answer then is, is kind of the fake it till you make it. So you don't have to necessarily don't feel sad if you're like, well, I have a hard time connecting. And like, sometimes I'm not sure. It's like, okay, but like you take a step and then another step and then another step. I feel like that's why I love this so much because it's almost the future self, the highest self version of you. And she feels a little bit, yeah, like your big sis, like she knows what's going on. You can believe in her more than you can yourself when you're starting something this big. So I'm so excited for people to dive into their future self and also not allow the limitations when you are thinking of your future self. Because talking with you, Sammy, I feel like in your journey, being so a part of it, 
there was moments where you're like, this is me. Like, this is just me. This is my limit. We're here. I'm so happy because she's so grateful for life and so grateful for just her body. And I think the moment where you decided, you know what? I actually feel like I could have a little bit more and I can have a little bit more in the way that it felt healthy and it felt so connected to you. It's like having this future self have no limitations and really allowing yourself to get there. Amen. Thank you. Because truly you are in control of your own limiting beliefs. And please, whoever is listening to this, give yourself the gift of releasing your limiting beliefs because whatever you want, you can have and feel. Like truly, that is the world we live in. That is your life. Accept it. I completely agree. Like, I think we all have those lies that we tell ourselves. And I think one in particular is about willpower, which is kind of a dirty word at this time. But I don't think so. To me, it just means, you know, like, thinking about things and not necessarily acting on that right now want and maybe choosing the the bigger payoff down the line. But what people used to kind of think about willpower was that it was a personality trait, that some people had it and some people don't. But what we know now is that it is a limited resource that we all have. And it gets used up on a lot of things that have nothing to do with like food. You like know, all the decisions we have to make. All the decisions. And like anytime we have to kind of like control ourselves, like for instance, like Oliver's five, it takes him 20 minutes to get dressed in the morning. It takes so much willpower not to like shove his clothes on his little body. You know, like I have to like literally be like, and we're leaving 30 minutes for this procedure, you know? So it's like, you do that. You don't honk at the people on the road. You answer all your emails. You do all the things. So like a lot of us, like towards, you know, like 3 p.m., all our willpower is gone. So what do you do, you know, as we were talking about earlier, what are those sidesteppable things? What can you plan ahead in terms of what we were just saying? Like in terms of those limiting beliefs, maybe you just weren't set up. Maybe your willpower reserves were gone. Maybe you're using them all literally by 10 a.m. So how do you set up your life so that you can kind of do your tonight self a favor? So you can do your 3 p.m. self a favor. And how do you do that with the people that are around you. I feel like in my space, I get asked a lot. I live at home still. My Mm. family eats like this or my friends make fun of me for stepping into being vegan now or whatever it is for them. How do you do this alone per se if they didn't have someone like yourself and they were stepping into this journey with the people that they have around them right now? Ooh, I like this question. I mean, I think the thing about the thing about it, and especially women, is that we are so relational and we are so attuned to other people. And it's why we make great wives and partners and mothers and coworkers. Like we can kind of jump out of ourselves and connect and really see other people. It's like our special gift in a lot of ways. But the opposite is true in that like we can hop out of ourselves. And in a lot of times, I think we're looking outward instead of, and that's kind of what we started this whole conversation with, which was we have all this access to information all over the internet. It's all cool. Like there's a lot of it that's really cool and interesting, but like it takes us out. So how do you take that and then come back, back, back to yourself? I think that, you know, it's funny, it comes up a lot in like relationships, especially if like my clients have like new boyfriends or partners or like even... Oh my gosh, I have such a funny story. Oh, I want to hear it. Sam, you have to know this. The second (laughs) date that Andrew and I ever went on, I was literally doing the prolon cleanse. No. Not that I recommend it. It was way too restrictive for me. Oh, I don't. Yeah. He literally researched the best tea in Los Angeles. I love him so much. This is why this man is my husband. Took me out to the nicest 
tea date. I love that. Because, no, I love that. But yeah, like I remember feeling so insecure. But and I like, love that you told him about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Actually, that's like where I also find the joy in that. Like yeah. you told him about it instead of being the cool chick who's like, okay, I'm going to just cheat tonight or feel that energy. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to eat this meal. It yeah. goes both ways yes. for sure. You know, I think for a lot of women, not all women, and gosh, it's so cool when like someone's just like innately not like this. But I do think I talk to a lot of people and I get it myself. Like there is that want to be like so cool and like, yeah, no problem. I'll, like, you know, give like what? Yeah, give me a beer and a burger. Yeah, I hate beer. Uh, yeah, same. <laughs> like, no. no picture of beer will ever be ordered by me. <laughs> yeah. And I think like if you know how to be someone's dream girl and just you're just that, but it's not actually you, then you're kind of unknowable, you know? So mm. it's like even if someone falls madly in love with you, you're like, yeah, but that's like the really version cool of me girl version of me. like you don't yeah. even know me yeah so i think i think with that is i think being willing to in some cases disappoint someone else in service of not disappointing yourself because i think what happens a lot of times is people will be out to dinner and listen like ordering dessert drinking like all these things like a lot of people associate that with like this is fun. This is a good time. This is intimate. This is celebratory. And so if it's like I'm out to dinner with you guys and you guys are like, OK, let's split the whatever. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not really feeling it tonight, but like order whatever. I'm so excited. I'll order tea. Like, let's sit. It's like you're not going to have this with me. I thought we were having fun. I thought we were doing this together. It can feel to sometimes to the other person as kind of like a pulling away of intimacy. And I think in those cases... You know, you have to be willing to be like, I hear you, but I like I'm having such a good time. I'm really enjoying this. I'm feeling really good. I've been showing up for myself. It makes me feel really good. A lot of times what the weird kind of rub is, is like maybe they've been wanting to do that. Yeah. It brings up a weird insecurity for them and they're putting it on you. And I think so much of it is, you know, how do we navigate those with like warmth and boundaries? I think about it a lot because I have a five-year-old and so much of it is like, I love you so much, bud, but I can't let you talk to me like that. Or I hear you and I know you're really excited. We can't do that. So much of it is a no, but it's also that like warmth, warmth, warmth and connection and how you can be like, I can do this. And I think that even still, there are going to be those times where you may disappoint someone. Obviously, we're not like advocating for being like jerks in relationships. But I think being willing, I think sometimes to let other people down in that way in service of like taking really good care of yourself. Mm, so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And it's so positively contagious. I feel like whenever we're in our best practice of our best selves, everyone around us starts mirroring it too. Yeah. I love that. And it gives someone else, you know, I remember there was just a certain point. I'm now 38. I remember there was just a certain shift at some point in my like early 30s where people are like, I love you so much. I can't show up to that. You know, like people started saying no more in a like, That's we love this. it's hot, right? <laughs> like in this way of like warmth and boundaries, like really healthy. Sing it, girl. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, the joy I of missing love, out. Like I, the joy of missing out. Like I love you more than, but you've been leaning into that. I've been seeing you do that a lot. Like, and you sometimes, and then you stayed out really late the other night, but I do think that you're leaning into your, and went like, cross-eyed. Yeah. But you're kind of leaning into that. Like, I love you so much. This friendship is so meaningful to me. And like, 
getting a good night's sleep is also really important to me. And yeah. I'm like, I'm outie for tonight. I love that we're now in this culture of like water is cooler than wine. Let's go to bed at 9 p.m. and let's wake up early and go for the walk. Like, I really love that that shit is cool now. That shit is cool. You know what's cool? Doing what feels really good for you. Because yeah. like, I also thought it was really cool when you stayed out. Because it's like, I'm not saying that you always have to do that. But I do think it's cool to be like, I'm feeling like I think so much of our culture used to be you're feeling yourself when you're at a 10 and you're literally on the point of like bubbling over and crashing where you're recognizing yourself at a seven. You're like, I'm feeling fried and I need a night and I need to like to me, it's like all like exfoliate my feet. I want to put like a thick moisturizer on. I want to put a sock on and then I want to sleep like that. I want to wake up with Or someone else feet. could be like, take me to the club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like to me, knowing that we have like these little dopamine menu things that can kind of bring us back to our center, that like you get to pick and choose what works for you, but that you are willing to, again, we're not being jerks, but like being like, I love you so much. No. Yeah. Mm. Say someone, their life consists of being really social and they go out to eat a lot. So yeah. like, talking about Sammy's one one time in the yeah. month. <laughs> Say someone that was like, oh my gosh, I you know live in New York and I'm pretty much eating out every single night or like one of your clients that you yeah. said, how do they best serve themselves without being restricted, but also understanding that they do have these social events they go to quite often? Yeah. Would you recommend they eating a little something before and then looking at the restaurant menu and understanding what they should eat there? Or how do they play with an entire week that might look a little more social outing than another person? Yeah. Two of those things. Yeah, absolutely. The looking at a menu ahead of time. Amazing. I think it just helps you kind of think about like, again, what's worth it to you, what might be really fun for you and how you might plan the rest of your day so that the whole day isn't like decadent dandy. You know, the other piece is I'm a huge fan of doing something like a protein rich or healthy fat rich thing before a thing like to me I very rarely would have like an 8:30 dinner or something but if I did like I would need a little something so mm. I'm I'm obsessed with like a romaine spear as a vehicle and then I'll take that rotisserie I'll take that chicken that I make and I'll put like a little tahini on that or like some pickled onions or some sauerkraut like something so that I'm not going into that meal starving and and to go back to Another thing that we talked about a ton, which is I know myself, I know that if I go into that meal starving, I'm going to feel awful. All bets are off. Like it's just not something that sets me up for success. And so if I've had something, so I'm obviously not like didn't have a whole other meal, but I'm going into that feeling balanced blood sugar I can enjoy it more and like I can connect more to my prefrontal cortex, honestly, when I'm not like hangry. I love that. Avoid hangry. I relate to that so much, how much protein actually makes you full. Yes. Mm. So me, I am a very hangry girl. So I actually have to have protein as a snack quite often. Rather, yeah. I love fats too, but like protein just gives me that fullness that I need and that energy boost. Yeah. So people are like, what do you mean you have shredded chicken for a snack or something? I'm like, oh yes, or a chicken sausage. I need that because that's what like gives me energy and yes. makes me full. So it can last me till if I had a dinner or something that was late. I actually do think this is important that I've had clients who... And this happens often specifically with people. It happened a lot with like my law student people, my business student people mm -hmm. who work in a place or intern in a place for which they then get taken out to like fancy dinners for work. And then what happens is they almost feel like they're not fully taking full advantage of the meal if they're not going like buck wild with it. And so I think part of it is also like if you are going out a lot, you have to kind of shift your 
kind of perspective about going out because I think some people still think about it as like, this is exciting. This is different. This is my moment. And I think especially if you're going out quite a bit, then like not everything has to be like go big or go home, you know? Mm. And so I think sometimes it's a mindset shift in that way. I love that. I love that. All right, mindset let's let's shift. hit some rapid fire before. Okay, we, great. Let's do I'm rapid excited. fire because so, we had a trillion it. questions, of course, truly hundreds, maybe so thousands. We tried to we tried to dissect down, but these okay, are great. main ones from our community. Okay. They're kind of fun. Okay, is cottage cheese here to stay? I think so for sure because listen, if not for us, but for people that digest dairy really well, God, there's nothing better in terms of like a really quick, easy protein rich snack. You can do it sweet, you can do it savory. Huge fan for people that digest. I love it. How does alcohol affect the body? Ooh, not a fan of alcohol, but like respect that my clients, how they pick and choose. Listen, it messes up your microbiome. It messes with the white matter in your brain. You know, it's something that I think not every decision you make has to be rooted in health. But I think so many of us are spending so much time and energy on our health. And it's the one thing that it's like, like it it is a poison. And I also really respect that people, you know, want to have a healthy relationship with it and do it when it's worth it to them. How do you know when you're full? Really good question. I think that for my clients who really struggle with this and for all my clients, I like to do this exercise where I talk about in a really non-judgmental way, referring back to a time when you were like overly full. Mm. For me, it's like, what does that feel like? It's that overstuffed suitcase feeling and it feels really uncomfortable. And then I think everyone knows what it feels like to be hungry. But I think the thing that we don't often check in with is like, what's 25% full? What's 50% full? What's 75% full? And I think just simply doing that exercise can help get you closer to like what full, full, like what being actually just fully full really feels like. Love that reflection. Okay, here's a controversial one. What's your take on oat milk? Okay, nah, it's grain water. No, thank you. Grain water. <laughs> I have it every day. God bless. Okay, is coffee is coffee bad for okay, you? But that's, that's another example of like, I'm not someone who does a ton of grains, you know? So exactly. for me, doing grain water isn't going to be a thing. You're someone who's doing more starch, so you have more yeah. kind of flexibility in that way. And again, good for me, not for you, you know? I love oh. Good for me, not for you. That's that's a badass statement to say yeah. to someone. Like, I love that. Like if you're listening to that and you have like, I'm glad you said that in that way where you're like then kind of defeated. And it's like, no, someone listening to that is like, OK, well, then it yes. works for me. I love Good that. Good for me, not for you. Yeah. I love that. OK, is coffee bad for you? What do you feel about coffee? I'm into coffee, but not an empty stomach. Yeah. Love. How do we manage cravings? <sighs> I think you got to make sure you have enough fat and protein. I think so many of us, like with a sweet treat, ask our sweet treat to keep us full. But a sweet treat should be like a treat. It should be like a tasty treat. And so I think that like if you're at the end of the day, you want your little treat. I definitely have like some chocolate every day. But I'm not going to ask that to then keep me full. I'm going to have like nuts and other things with that so that like it can just truly be the treat that's like tasty, tasty for my mouth. Mm. Fave three supplements. Ooh, I really like the parallel hormonal control. It's like for cycle syncing, and I think it's really cool. I take Fatty 15 every day. I think it's cool. I think it's helpful to say because I think sometimes when there's like a trendy supplement that everyone's talking about, it's like, is everyone paid to talk about it or is it just cool? And I think it's cool. And then I'm just a huge, huge, huge advocate for probiotics, and I actually rotate mine. 
Mm. I yeah. actually have heard to do that. Like you change which one? Yeah. Like I rotate between different brands and they have like, you know, small variations mm-hmm. in different strains because the the diversity of your microbiome is very helpful. So cool. Facts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what a knowledge dump. <laughs> Thank you. We love you. This is so Just fun. so grateful for your generous, knowledgeable brain. Yes. Oh Thank God. you so much for being here and just sharing your heart. You can feel it so deeply. And I know everyone can listening. So thank you for being such a healthy space in the food space for us. Thank you guys so much. This was really fun. So fun. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much for being here. You listening to this episode is you saying yes to creating the dream life you absolutely deserve. As always, we want to hear from you all about what you want to hear next. Definitely let us know on Instagram at Sammy Clark and at Sammy Spalter. And if you want to follow us for more updates, follow at Transform. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.